Cool. Welcome to the Revitalize Ask Girl podcast, where we take amazing people and topics and understand what makes them vital, essential, interesting. I founded the Revitalize Clinic in 2013 to provide you with a team of experts that you need to be pain-free, mentally well, and physically fit. Contact us for your free consultation online or face-to-face with an expert to start your journey. So, are you tired of the barrage of information on as to whether or not veganism is good or bad, if it's healthy or unhealthy, if it's good for our planet or our economy? Me too. Which is why when I became plant-based, so the diet consisting of majority, majority of plants four years ago, the first thing that I did was churn through the books and the studies to better inform me of my decision. But the question is, what actually led to this decision? So health has always been my North Star. I've got a story for you. When I was eight years old, we went to Bath Spa and my mum told me that the spa water was minerally rich and good for you. So I literally chugged that spa water down until it made me sick. The point I'm trying to make here is that I value my health more than, say, short-term satisfaction. And this puts me in a fairly unbiased place because it means that I cannot be overcome by subconscious drivers of pleasure as easy as, for example, someone else. And that is why I want to explore this topic with you. We, have hum- we as humans have an amazing ability to pay attention and learn something until the information presented to us conflicts with a belief that we hold, uh, which has a greater emotional attachment to it. And this is called cognitive dissonance. We don't necessarily throw a paddy. We instead work back from our emotions rather than from logic. So for example, if you really like chocolate milk, and I told you that chocolate milk was a killer of small children, you might say things like, well, it never really killed me or my family and we love it. You have to look out for the dairy farmers, people, who don't like chocolate milk or boring etc you're creating emotional non-factual arguments to back up your belief system rather than using the facts to inform a better decision and this is something that we need to stay away from you're practicing cognitive dissonance because you're being presented with information that should make you change your behavior but instead you create a false argument to continue to do this behavior And the same goes for vegans. There are many vegans who deny certain mineral deficiencies because they're so emotionally attached to the idea of relying on nothing but mother nature for their sustenance. And we're going to explore this later. So let us begin with the advantages and disadvantages of being vegan. So the first one that very often comes up is deficiencies. A common argument um, that vegans aren't healthy and they're nutritionally deficient. And this is true in some cases. Vegans typically consume less vitamin B12 and omega-3 than the meat eater. And this is a problem. Vitamin B12 deficiency can be very, very harmful as we need it to maintain nerve and blood function. A deficiency can also lead to vision loss and heart palpitations. Meat eaters get their vitamin B12 and omega-3 from animal products, for example, meat and oily fish. So they're less likely to be deficient. But anyone who knows anything about the food chain and vitamins and minerals knows that organisms can't manufacture essential nutrients. That's why they're classed as being essential because they can't manufacture it themselves. So where do these animals get their vitamin B12 from? Vitamin B12 is created by bacteria, which are found in soil and fresh water. Because we humans are fairly clean, we wash the bacteria producing vitamin B12 off of our fruit and veg, which is intensively grown. 
Cows, however, don't wash their food, but due to intensive farming, they can still suffer from vitamin B12 deficiencies, in which case the cows or the livestock is also supplemented with vitamin B12. So to conclude, the only reason why vegans are more likely to suffer from a nutritional deficiency is because we wash our fruit and veg and we don't eat livestock that has already been supplemented with vitamin B12 supplement, for example, like a cow. So the solution is really just to take a supplement. The only difference is that it hasn't passed through a cow first. So the option is therefore to consume food which has or consume your vitamins and minerals after it's been passed through an animal or before it's been passed through an animal. Omega-3 is stored in fish after they consume algae. So we can gain enough omega-3 from sources such as linseed and chia seed. So we don't even have to consume the algae. But now it brings us on to health implications, which are slightly different. So when we look at a sensible diet, vegan or omnivorous, so where you eat meat and, and plant-based foods, the closer we stick to a plant-based diet, the better. So to argue against this, we would have to argue that there is a negative consequence of consuming as many of your recommended daily calories from fruit and veg as possible, which is a pretty crazy argument since all of our essential nutrients come from plants. We have for hundreds of years evidence that a reduction uh, of consumption of plant-based food, vitamins and minerals, results in scurvy, which is a vitamin C deficiency, anemia, which is an iron deficiency, infertility and nerve damage, which is a vitamin B12 deficiency. So we can safely assume that plants are good. So the question is what happens when we actually increase the consumption of animal products? Because if we can say that eating plants is good for us, we can't then argue that a plant-based diet is bad for us. We have to argue that eating meat or fish is good for us in some aspects, which we've already kind of covered. But we also need to now cover what are the health implications of consuming more meat and fish. And the answer is, and I've referenced this below in sort of to the studies that have concluded this, type 2 diabetes increases in likelihood as you consume more meat, heart disease and all-cause mortality, so all reasons for an early death increase as you increase the consumption of meat. Cancer also is more likely for individuals who have a higher meat diet. Alzheimer's and vascular dementia also increases and erectile dysfunction also increases. Whenever you see heart disease, one of the very, very common precursors for heart disease in men is erectile dysfunction. So if you're struggling to get an erection, it's very, very likely that after a certain age, you also have potential risks for heart disease as well. So basically, if you want to be able to get an erection, remember the beauty in the world and stay around long enough to create new memories, it's pretty much recommended that you increase your consumption of fruits and vegetables and limit your consumption of meat. Remember, however, that the body is an ecosystem of many complex interactions. A plant-based diet isn't necessarily a fix for everyone, but it seems to fix a lot of what we struggle with in the Western world health-wise. So when, for example, you look at what people in the UK are dying of, they're dying of heart disease, cancer, stroke, Alzheimer's, diabetes, uh, colon cancer, breast cancer, etc. All of these are linked to a higher consumption of animal products. Now, a great book that I would recommend uh, is How Not to Die by Michael Greger. And he lists 
common Western diseases and your diet can prevent them and how your diet can prevent them. And I mean, first of all, you know, when we just spoke about cognitive dissonance at the beginning of the talk, and this is just quite interesting. I said how people who people don't want to be presented with information that conflicts to their belief systems, the current belief systems that they have an emotional attachment to, right? And I don't think it's a coincidence that when we look at the viewers now, uh, we've got four viewers on now, one, two, three of the viewers are actually vegetarian or vegan. And previous to this talk, there's actually been more individuals watching these talks that I'm, that I'm doing, 10 to 15 individuals at a time, right? So therefore, is that evidence, once again, for cognitive dissonance, that people do not want to hear things and do not want to face facts and information that conflict with beliefs that they already hold? And I think that, that the view count at the moment might be testimony to that. So now let's have a look at behaviour. People who consume a whole food plant-based diet are far more likely to be a healthy BMI. In fact, a plant-based diet, a plant-based vegan diet, is one of the only diets that can actually predict successfully and accurately that individuals will have a healthy BMI. And this is because of two reasons. One, people on plant-based diets tend to consume less calories. Fat contains double the amount of calories of carbohydrates, so per gram. Um, per gram fat contains nine calories and carbohydrates contain four calories because fat is more or less absent from a plant-based diet you can't really get it which means that even you know you're essentially cutting out one macronutrient fat which indicates or it shows that your calories will drop almost by half or by half in some instances as a result but also the fiber creates a lot of satiety so it makes us feel very satisfied it's very very easy to feel very very full up on fruit and veg so we eat less one counter argument to a plant-based diet or veganism is that humans are meant to eat meat and this statement i have a very difficult time with i think the point that people are trying to make here is that because we can we should or because we've seen cave paintings of human beings for thousands of years eating meat and killing animals that we should do it too or because we have adapted to eat meat then it should be it's probably good for us to eat it but the reason for me that this doesn't make sense is that when it kind of it bastardizes the theory of evolution evolution is purely based on who can pass on their genes most effectively it's not down to who lives the longest healthiest life the average life expectancy in england in the mid 19th century so you're looking at the year 1850 was 40 years so the average individual in the uk would live for 40 years no longer than that the average age to suffer from your first heart attack in 2016 in the uk was 65 so to put it simply it isn't until people have started to live longer that we start to see variables such as the consumption of meat really affecting how we die or how long we live for. The average UK man would have to live another 50% longer on average before he fell victim to his first heart attack in the 1850s, which is significantly predisposed by the consumption of meat and dairy. Simply put, just because you can, and just because your ancestors did, doesn't mean that you should, and doesn't mean that we should. Now, the other um, argument that a lot of people make is taste. Many people will claim that they just love meat. 
this to me is actually the most logical reason to continue to eat meat because you're relying on an emotional relationship with me. And it's very, very honest, right? I understand. Put, put my hands up. If you really like the taste of fried meat, then that to me is a very logical decision or logical argument. But to stick to this argument, well, let's stick to this argument. If you love it and keep eating it, you also have to accept the health consequences above that we've already mentioned that are the price to potentially pay. So you also have to say, yes, I really love it, but it's might be shortening my life. So it's almost like having an argument with someone who smokes cigarettes. Yes, I really do love smoking, but I understand that it's going to potentially limit my life and have further health effects. I much prefer, the, <laughs> this is, I think I was in a little bit of a, a trend when I, wrote, when I wrote this. I much prefer the utility of an erection to the taste of beef, of a beef burger, personally. If taste outweighs health, go for it. But I would say from my own personal experience, after a couple of months of being vegan, my taste buds massively changed. So previous to, uh, or in the first you know, few weeks of being vegan, it might have been a case that I was craving that taste of fried meat, especially fried fat, oxidized fat has a certain taste to it. And it gives, gives us a certain dopamine kick. But now I crave freshness and authentic flavor. The smell of beef or any cooked meat repulses me now it smells like rancid flesh and that's probably because it is convenience so another argument convenience of the convenience of being omnivorous or eating meat is another argument that i cannot argue with at the moment socially it is always far more convenient to eat out if you're vegan but times are changing with many fantastic companies and restaurants coming up with amazing vegan options. Many people I know are vegan only at home, which I think is a great move. They're vegan five days a week and then when they want to go out for dinner, if it's socially easier, that will eat meat, which I think is a, is a great option. It's a great gateway into increasing the health of your diet. They only have to hold themselves accountable on their weekly food shop, for example. So apart from that, they're pretty flexible. But remember that the emphasis here is on a plant-based diet. Health is in the plants more, or at least as much as it is in the absence of meat. So what I'm trying to say here is that you cutting out meat. So say if your health is here, or you're on a, a meat diet and you don't really consume that much, or say here, you're on a meat diet and you don't really consume that much fruit and veg you will massively increase your health if you consume more fruit and veg and then if you cut out meat and fish and dairy you will furthermore improve your health now the one of the last points to be made here is animal cruelty which is one of the reasons why a lot of individuals become plant-based or vegan. For me, it was a secondary option or a secondary reason to health. I prioritized my health first, and then I was made witness to the animal cruelty side of things. And that further encouraged me to stop eating meat and to stop eating dairy. Now, the common arguments, the common arguments here when it comes to continue to eat meat is that it's not that bad. Animals are stupid. They don't really understand what's going on anyway. So firstly, in my opinion, all evil that is unnecessary is bad. And all evil is bad if it is unnecessary. So even if you are trying to create a side argument and say that it's not that bad, you're still saying that it's bad. And if it's unnecessary to eat animals, then really, why should we be doing it?
Consuming animals after they have lived an unnaturally restricted life is unnecessary, but common evils of the dairy and meat industry are following. 22 million animal deaths in the UK alone. Every single year, 22 million animals are killed unnecessarily, unnecessarily for us to eat them. The trimming of beaks is commonplace, where chicken beaks are burnt off to present, prevent them from pecking each other to death in their cramped pens. So, you know, what, once again, we're consuming, or I, I don't, but other people consume animals that are so stressed beyond measure that they have to have their beaks cut off so they don't peck each other to death. It'd be the equivalent of, I don't know, in, in a prison full of humans, having to rampacking them so much into such tiny, unhealthy, awful, tormenting environments that you have to cut off their hands so they don't hurt each other. Uh, Free-range chickens are often too cramped in their barns to exit the holes into the yard. Free-range, as best option, they pack nine chickens per square yard into the barns. That is the equivalent of 14 adults living in a single room flat. And just to add, without cleaning themselves, without, without being clean, just sweating repulsively in, with locked doors in a single bed flat, 14 people. Artificial environments cause chickens to lay eggs 25 more, sorry, to lay 25 times more eggs than normal. So the average chicken in the wild would lay 20 eggs per year. So on average, one every two to three weeks. Some chickens are so intensively farmed and genetically enhanced, enhanced that they lay up to 500 eggs a year. So even, you know, once again, for an egg, an egg is the same size as whether it's fertilized or not. So imagine if a, a woman normally gives birth once every nine months or once every year, let's say. Imagine they're giving birth 25 times a year. Cows are artificially inseminated year after year to continually stimulate milk production. Calves are stolen from their mothers as soon as they're born. And this is only part of it. The common justification I read is that they're stupid. They don't know what's going on. They're animals. Now, to me, this shows a gross misunderstanding of mammalian neurophysiology. The emotional centers of our brains are parts of the oldest parts of our brain. Anyone can see how inconsolable a child is uh, or someone with learning disabilities is after they've been traumatized. So to say that humans uh, or to say that animals are less intelligent and therefore they feel less pain is, is really quite a bizarre argument. It doesn't make any sense at all. The regression of intelligence does not desensitize pain. In fact, I would say that it actually increases the likelihood of someone experiencing pain. Just like you might see an adult in a very, very stress stressful environment and they're able to use the power of their mind to inhibit the situation that they're in and try and see clearly through it and at least have some beacon of hope. Whereas a child or you know, even more aggressive than a child, a, a more simple mammal, wouldn't be able to do that they have no option just but to completely stress out and 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 lose that lose their minds over the matter but for me one of the greatest epiphanies when i came to was when i came to notice that i had heard these arguments before i.e they're too stupid they don't know what's going on they're more resilient than humans etc so what i want you guys to do is check out you guys who are listening live is check out the below statements and tell me what you think of them so feel free just to write your comments below as to what you think of them. 
And this is an argument that is made for British farming, but it has also been made before for another situation or another cause of mass harm. The British stock don't have it as bad as the American stock, i.e. the British farm animals don't have it as bad as the intensively farmed American farm animals. Second point, they don't feel pain like we do. God put them here to do our bidding. My breeding, or by breeding the strongest stock with the strongest stock to do our will, it will increase our revenue. Transporting and keeping this stock in close proximity, despite stewing in their own excrement, excrement will reduce cost and increase revenue. Savagely beating them, breeding them, will increase revenue and improve discipline. Now, every single one of the statements that I have just read, it makes, okay, that's it. So someone's just, Kieran, you've just uh, mentioned that it makes no difference which, which country it's in. And I completely agree. It doesn't make a difference what country it's in. But a lot of people will argue that British um, standards of care are higher than elsewhere, right? But this, these arguments above have all been made before, in one way or other, during the transatlantic slave trade. Now, I'm not comparing human beings to animals here, but at least the top three, arguably the worst abominable crime committed by a human species, is the transatlantic slave trade. And all of the arguments to keep the transatlantic slave trade going, i.e., the British slaves don't have it as bad as, say, the French or the American slaves. Negroes don't feel pain like we do. God put black people here to do our bidding. By breeding the strongest black people with the other strongest black people, it will increase our revenue. Transporting and keeping these Africans in close proximity, despite them stewing in their own excrement during the transatlantic passage on the on the slave ships will reduce our cost but increase our revenue by savagely beating these africans we will breed them to increase revenue and improve discipline every single one of these arguments before to keep animals in captivity and to slaughter them for our own you know luxury when we don't even need them and actually long-term poor health consequences they've all been made before They've all been made before. And you'll hear these arguments made even when, you know, Western countries are trying to go to war with other less developed countries. All of these arguments will be based on the dehumanising or yeah, dehumanising of these other individuals or other organisms. Uh, so Kieran just made a point. It's people's individual way of rationalising it for themselves, like making themselves feel yeah, less worse about it by justifying. And that's exactly what it is. And they use false logic to back up their belief systems, which once again brings us back to cognitive dissonance. And the fact is, who am I to cast the same pain that my family, so my family is Jamaican, who am I to cast the same pain that my family had to endure for 400 years onto any other living person or organism? And I just refuse to participate in it. It's commonly argued that vegans who consume a plant-based diet cause as much death as those who eat meat because meat is more calorie dense. Therefore, more calories are consumed per acre 
from land and de de uh, dedicated livestock. So this is an argument that a lot of people make when they're arguing that uh, because crops need a lot of land to, to grow them, that you're actually killing more animals, for example, small rodents and taking up raw resources um, in comparison to, say, a, a, a vegan. Uh, sorry, a vegan would take up more resources. So people often forget how much cows eat. Land is needed to grow feed, to feed the livestock who are kept in their undersized pens. So when you look at, say, a cow in a, in a small pen, inhumanely kept, there there is probably going to be another two or three acres per cow growing food just to keep that cow going until it's slaughtered, even for those in free-range livestock. So... For example, to consume the same quantity of protein from animals requires up to 36 times the resources in comparison to directly sourcing the food from plants itself. So if you want to take 100 calories of, from plants, it would take 100 calories to grow that plant, but it would take 3,600 calories to create 100 calories worth of beef, for example. A common graphic, which I'll include in the blog post, is that two football fields are required to feed one person per year on the typical Western diet, which we in, for example, Britain and America. The same space could feed 14 people per year on a plant-based diet. 80% of agricultural land on the planet is to feed livestock. There are 23 million acres of agricultural land in the UK with a population of 66 million people. This means that on a plant-based diet, the UK could be self-sustainable and produce enough to feed another 14 million people. So that means that say if we could grow all crops in the UK, we could feed every single person in the UK without having to rely on importing more food. It would give obviously British farmers um, plenty, plenty of work. And we'd still have enough food to feed 14 million people after we fed every single person in the UK who would also be healthier as a result for the reason, reasons that we've already mentioned. Another way to look at this is that you could reduce the needed farmland by 80%. Think of what this would do to property prices if this actually happened. Land would be freed up, CO2 emissions would reduce, people would live longer, happier lives, and the NHS would be offloaded. And there's also wider consequences to consider. Think of pandemics, for example, one that we're in at the moment. How many pandemics have been accelerated or caused by animals and animal agriculture? So we've got COVID-19, which has been linked to the consumption of bushmeat in China, and that has swept across the globe. Swine flu associated with keeping pigs. Foot and mouth disease. Cattle farming. The 1918 Spanish influenza, which killed 50 million people, likely linked to chickens and ducks. Black death, bubonic plague associated with rats, killed a third of the population of Europe. Bird flu, associated with chickens, caused by chickens. HIV, associated with chimps, or it mutated in chimps before it was passed on to us. 32 million people infected, sorry, 32 million people dead, and 75 million people infected. We are not meant to live side by side with animals. And with how much human beings have swept across the globe. The issue is that we have these just absolutely disgusting environments where we farm animals. These animals 
contract all kinds of diseases. A lot of the time they're cancerous. A lot of the time the cancer is tried to be, you know, it's attempted to be cut out of the meat, but a lot of the time it's not. And then we consume them. So essentially we're consuming these animals who are just stewing in their own excrement and, and disease. Antibiotics also used to treat livestock and prevent illness um, spreading in their repulsive living environments. So antibiotics are mostly used to treat livestock. The bacteria develops a resistance to these antibiotics, meaning that we can't use them anymore. So every time that you're trying to take your kids to the doctor and you want to try and get antibiotics for uh, an infection, the reason why your doctor would be more likely to deny you those uh, antibiotics is because the livestock have accelerated the resistance um, of mammals, us included, to those antibiotics. So they don't work anymore. Food poisoning results in 20,000 people in the UK being admitted to hospital every year. And then as well as that, we've got the compounded effect of a poor diet, which obviously isn't plant-based, a poor Western diet, causing so many preventable diseases, people dying, people aging very prematurely. So what are the disadvantages, so, so to conclude, what are the disadvantages of being a plant-based vegan? It might be a bit awkward when we're eating out with your friends on occasion, and you might have to take a supplement every few days, and that's about it. The disadvantage, I will summarize in one brief closure, the disadvantages of eating a Western diet. You're 40, and you realize your suits don't fit like they used to. You quickly get out of breath and are pre-diabetic, but you might say that's okay. You have a loving family with two great kids. 10 years pass, you're 50 now, and your wife wants a bit of intimacy, but you know you can't satisfy her anymore. You pretend you're tired, but it doesn't really hide the shame. 15 years pass, you've had your first heart attack, and you're on enough medication to make you rattle, but you still want to play with your grandkids. They stop asking because they know you're getting tired quickly. Another 10 years pass, and you can't even remember what your grandchildren look like. You haven't recognized your partner for the, at least the last half a decade. You die at 80 after being kept alive from medication for almost half your, your, your life now, considering that you started taking, say, blood pressure medication when you were 40. You're a shadow of yourself. And what's worth, worse is that your children and your children's children are going to go the exact same way because you didn't live by example. I don't want that. And that's why I'm a plant-based vegan. So thank you so much for listening. Once again, if any of you guys are, are listening now or later on the podcast, if you need any advice when it comes to your health, your diet, your mental health, physical pain, joint health, then all you need to do is book a free consultation with any of us at the clinic. Feel free to contact me directly and I'll put you in the right hands, the right practitioner who's going to do right by you.